he did not want to shoot. Versus if you went back and you looked at the games in the Bahamas when we are playing Baja Blast Tech, he's letting those things fly. <laughs> Cal was the coach of, our, of at least my childhood. Uh, I mean, I was always a tubby guy. Um, I was a tubby kid growing up. Just take um, Muhammad Ali at, then, uh, at center. Then you have actually to played for Kentucky, Kentucky University of players. Kentucky. Oh, daggone it, guys. I did not prepare for this. Because they're both going to be key contributors to a national championship team. No, do not tell me to relax, Zach, because I'm all in on this squad, and it's going to happen. What is up, Big Blue Nation? Matt Zach, BBN here, joined by my three Twitter best friends, we got Wildcat's tongue. We have 270 Bradley Smith. And we have one very excited looking big blue butt over there. And we are up to no good. WT, you look in very much distress right now. We'll get to that in a second. We got so yeah. much good things to talk about, however. The cats are 2 0. We didn't really want Bama, but we'll move past that. We got the Champions Classic coming up. We get a surprise recruit from the leading scorer in Kentucky high school history. And we have more recruits coming on the way. So much good stuff to talk about. But first, WTYU sat over there. Are you okay? I can't give too much away because I feel like it would be a um, peek into my identity a little bit. But I am currently I'm currently following um, a very heated rivalry in college basketball. Uh, and I do have certain allegiances to one of the teams. And one of our players, and because I am not divulging which team or which player, I have full freedom to talk about him, can make a layup. He is currently, oh, where is he? Uh, currently one for six from the field. He plays the five. So he is only taking layups. He is one for six from the field. Uh, has five rebounds. How many fouls does this guy have? Uh, he has three fouls. Uh, he is playing so terribly and he's been playing at this uh, school for a while and he I don't know why he is still playing there. Um, please leave. Are you a Tennessee fan? It sounds like you just described Zakai Ziegler. That is exactly what I'm talking about. He plays the five, right? Oh, my bad. Sounds exactly like Euros Plavsic. The only guy. Is he also very stinky? I feel like... Uh, I cannot confirm or deny his uh, level of stinkiness, uh, being as I have not met him in person uh, yet. So, yeah, I bet you wouldn't be talking all that crap if you met him in person. I bet he's a fantastic <laughs> guy. Oh, I'm sure he's great, great dude. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if he, he goes to the school, he's got to be a good guy. But uh, it doesn't matter if you're a good or bad guy if you can't make a layup when you're six foot six and athletic and playing the five. I feel like you've given enough hints for someone to narrow down where what you're talking about. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've said so many things that would if that, I was a real detective, I'd figure you out. That could be seventy five percent of the Big Ten. That so, is true. I mean, there's that <laughs> WT, you look like you're in distress, but buddy, you look like you're absolutely rolling over there. How you doing? Yeah, I'm. You know, it's always how is buddy and not what. Is Buddy drinking? Um, no, I'm just <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I know Bradley's Bradley's been curious about it. Um, no, but how am I doing? Uh, let's uh, be honest. I've, it's the same same shit. Uh, different different week. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm exhausted, and having a career is exhausting. But what's not exhausting 
for the first time in several years is being a Kentucky fan. So it's been a really well, a Kentucky basketball fan, I should say. <laughs> so, so, but it's been a good week. It's a good week to be in group chats with Alabama and Mizzou fans. Uh, it's it's just been a good week altogether for me uh, on on that front, which is what we're here to talk about. My alter ego, and not the one where I'm just exhausted and have bags under my eyes all day. So, yeah, that leaves you, Bradley. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm tired. I don't know why. I've, I've just been extremely tired as of late, but uh, no children that need to be punched or anything like that. Uh, so everything's going going pretty good. I'm I'm glad to hear it, uh, buddy. Wait, I will uh, cir- I will uh, I will yeah. circle back to you really quick, buddy. Not how are you doing, but what is buddy drinking? Do you are you afraid that? Like WT gave a lot away over there. Are you able to go into your personality a little bit? You want to take a guess? It looks like metal. It looks like melted metal. I told you it looks like bourbon mixed with LA. It's something mixed with LA. It's not bourbon. Oil? Like motor oil? It is oil mixed with L.A. Yes, that's that's a good guess. (laughs) But he's a banger hunting robot. That's what it is. A machine, they call him. He's not a machine. This is This is some small percent L.A. and some larger percent uh, Bacardi. Oh, you're rolling over that. You can't tell, but it's a a very Baja Blast color uh, in reality. I don't know how. It looks like metal. I'll here, Bradley. I'll hey, take. What does it look like, Bradley? <laughs> it looks like metal. Buddy, is it a light or a dark rum? Do what? It's, is it it's a like, light or a zombie, dark rum? Dude, it's zombie. It's like it's blue. Oh, Bacardi, sweet. It's actually now, really good. I've I've created quite the concoction here. It's now in order to find out magical things happen are are you giving away too much information buddy now to find out you you just need to find the one dude that buys blue colored bacardi that is true this one's been sitting in my fridge for a while so you'd need to cover quite the amount of ground but uh but yeah I, i guess technically um you could figure that out bradley i just sent a picture of what it act like the real color in the in a group chat for you so Oh, there it is. See, it's Baja Blast looking. Wow, that is extremely different from how it looks. on Because on Zoom, it looks like metal. It looks like metal. <laughs> Listen, but it does look like Baja Blast. If you've never had a little mercury, then you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you are, fun, if you fun are listening, If you are listening at home, restart this podcast and take a shot every time Bradley says it tastes like metal. Or looks like metal because I haven't said anything tasted like metal. Yeah, my bad, my bad. You're throwing. When I was in the fourth grade, we had to shut school down for like three days because there was a mercury like exposure on one of the school buses. (laughs) They had to destroy us. Yeah, they had to destroy the school bus. (laughs) I don't know. Like a thermostat or something? Like how? I guess I don't know. But you said mercury, and it got my mind going that's crazy yeah just to to have to destroy the whole bus that's crazy yeah hey matt how are you doing (laughs) i'm doing great thank you for asking what are you doing love to just go into everything that's happened in the past week we have a lot of things to talk about a lot of good things kentucky basketball to talk about 
we do need to start a little bit slow. Um, Kentucky basketball started off the game really slow. I think they're losing like 16 to six at one point. It, it was not good. This team that like apparently just shoots 10% from three against everyone else in the universe. Wouldn't, you know, steps foot in Rupp arena and just turns in like everyone just turns into prime Malik monk. Um, it looked bad to start and it, it did get better. We did go on a run. We, Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell led the way, the veteran presences that they are. I would have liked to see a cleaner game going into Champions Classic, the Kansas game, one of our biggest games in the year, period. Um, but yeah, slow start. Buddy, what did you think of the game? Um, the A&M conversation. Oh, yeah, the, the first half, I know it started out a little slow, and I think that people were, like, freaking out. Actually, I know people were freaking out because I was – online and saw them freaking out but that's not uncommon um we just missed shots to be honest with you that was nothing crazy um we just missed shot and they just made them you know what i mean at like an unusually high rate uh and everything sort of corrected as we went oh we, we were down like 10 points and we still won by how many like like 20 i think 22 yeah which means that we scored you know like 30 some points more than them in like 30 minutes time so that, I mean, that speaks to to who we are more than like what the first 10 minutes of the game looked like or whatever. Um, so nothing crazy there, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, I enjoy, I'm ready for Kansas so that I can actually tell something real about this team. I feel like uh, all of my like little opinions and things that I've seen, like everything's biased and sort of uh, I'm holding off until I see us play a real team. Um, and I have some suspicions, but I'm just, I'm waiting to see. So. One of the things that has concerned me, yes, they didn't make shots at a high alarming rate, but it feels like whether it was the exhibition games or these first two games, we are giving up wide open threes or we're closing out, but we're closing out late. We're playing these teams that they don't have as talented players. They're not as tall. So like Justin Edwards, six, eight, closing out on the wing, like he he's challenging shots, but you go up against guards that are also six, five, six, 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 seven shooting threes he's not going to be able to close out as easily, especially Kansas. They have lots of length everywhere. Does that concern you moving into that game? That's probably my my biggest thing going into this game is perimeter defense. DJ did not look good at all. Uh, we've talked about some of his offensive struggles. Those I'm not really worried with. He's, like you said, he's just missing open shots. He's getting good looks, just missing shots, whatever. The defense, the perimeter defense, Reeves didn't really make any improvements going into this year. Um, Reed Shepard and Dillingham are playing the passing lanes pretty well, but overall perimeter defense so far. Yeah. Uh, if you're saying Reeves didn't make any, uh, improvements on that, then I would agree. Or if you're mean all around in his game, then I would I just also... mean, no, I just mean just defensively, just defensive. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, I, Cal talked about that some in his post-game conference. Um, just kind of, we got beat here and like, we've got some stuff to fix on, on like PNR. We've got some, some just things to fix, but they are fixable, he said. And so, yeah, I'm worried about it, uh, especially going to the Kansas game. I don't know if we're uh, winning that game. It's going to be it's going to be a tough one. But so, yeah, I mean, definitely worried uh, short term, not as worried long term. Uh, Cal's confident that it's, you know, it's fixable stuff and, uh, you know, we can get there. So that's where I am. So I definitely think that, like, the perimeter defense is like it, it is what it is. Um, and I think a lot of that's going to come down to a little bit of individual coaching. Like I, by the end of the year, Tyler Ulyss will have these guards defending 
so well. And I think like, I, I, I think that's going to, they're too athletic to not defend well, but I think as, as of right now, and especially against a team like Kansas, you're going to have to scheme around it. Um, so we're going to have to, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what scheme we get uh, against Kansas. My personal favorite, this is uh, how Baylor does their defense with their undersized rosters. It's no middle. You're always forcing to the sideline. You bring help from the uh, from the baseline to like uh, help on drives uh, and to like rotate down to the bigs. I think that that would be the best choice with this uh, roster. Um, but if that were to happen, uh, Justin Edwards needs to have a way better defensive game. Justin didn't get like fully beat when he was on ball, but when he was off ball, go watch Brandon Ramsey's breakdowns. Brandon talked about it even better than I could, but Justin was in the wrong or he sometimes he's in the right place, but he did the wrong things. He did not provide the help that he needed. He did not communicate well. Um, you might be able to chalk that up to, oh, it was uh, Texas A&M Commerce. It is what it is. But against Kansas, he's got to be on that help defense, whether it's a guard driving or Hunter Dickinson or whatever. Uh, so he's got to play a better game. And I know this isn't going to change before the Kansas game, but doesn't it kind of suck that like we have Oscar Shibway, who's great in every area except for defense. And even though we're losing Oscar, we're like, all right, we have all these guards and we have a seven footer to protect the paint for the first time since kind of Nick Richards, maybe Willie Cauley Stein. In fact, you have three seven footers and none of them could play. So it's like, yeah, maybe our guards are getting beat off the dribble, but here are three guys that are literally just on this roster to swat shots and all of them are hurt or ineligible or Cal hasn't seen them. That's rough. Do you, do you think um, I, you've probably gotten into the film or have looked at people like Brandon Ramsey who have gotten into the film a lot more than me. Do you think that that's something that's going to help further down the line once we get these centers back? I think so. Um, I mean, defense changes completely uh, whenever you get uh, rim protection back. Um, I, I'm hesitant to say that, like, playing without a center helps them get better at on ball. Like you should be good at on ball defense, whether you have a center back there or not. It just, it's just going to change how you approach perimeter defense. And I think we're, we're actually approaching perimeter defense as if we have room protection because we're pressuring the ball like crazy. Like we are pushing the ball way out of the three point uh, line. And if you think back and I, I don't want to bring this up, but that's what lost us the St. Peter's game because we didn't have uh, rim protection and we kept put it pushing the ball further out and further out and further out, which in theory is like, oh, we're putting pressure on the ball. But really what that does is it opens up the lane because now there's less defenders close to the basket. So against a team as good as Kansas uh, and especially a team against Kansas, they've shot the ball well so far this year, but they don't have like a ton of guys known for shooting you're going to want to pack it in a little bit, allow the guards to catch their catch the ball on the perimeter, but don't let them get by you. Yeah, and on the offensive end, huge credit to our guards. Young guards, I don't care who they're playing against, only three turnovers, but we did see a lot of struggles on the offensive end as well. First game, we started off a little bit slow. Cal said he makes a second-half tweak, which allegedly is bringing Trey Mitchell to the top of the key to get the ball, run our offense through him immediately looks a lot better. Everything's clicking. Everything's going together. We kind of go through our guards again to start the game. It kind of struggles. And while 
they did get better as the game progressed. We never made that tweak again. We didn't go back to Trey Mitchell. Do y'all think this is like a Liam Cohen thing where it's like, oh, he's not opening the full playbook until we play Florida or Georgia, and he's we're, we're just saving our sets. We're not giving Kansas film of Trey Mitchell at the top of the key. Um, I, I'm mostly kidding. But do you think this is something that we're going to use often moving forward, or do you think this is just something we'll have sprinkled in or rarely see? I would like to see it. I thought it looked great. Um, I know it's Texas A&M Commerce, but really wish we saw it more. Yeah, I'm really interested to see because Trey does such a great job in that role. I'm interested to see once we get some of the bigs, other bigs back, how they kind of function in that role. I don't know if it would be a Trey specific thing or if that would be a kind of wrinkle in the whole offense. Uh, but I, I really like that and hope that we can do more of it. I think it would be especially advantageous against Kansas. Uh, because even though Hunter Dickinson is not an especially good defender, he's a big body, and getting him out of the paint uh, would be great, in my opinion. It, it Kind of similar to how I said Trey is really effective out of the paint, so is Hunter Dickinson. Like, I was watching film a lot. He is so good at the top of the key. His height mm -hmm. to be able to see other people that are open – um, he shoots threes really good for his size, but I do have to agree, given our lack of centers and given the fact that he's 7-1 and very post-dominant, if you make him shoot and don't just let him cook in the post, I feel like that is best-case scenario, at least for this game. I'm, I meant defensively. I mean, offensively, yes, that's true, oh, but right. defensively, keeping him out of the paint. I agree with that as well. Space them out. Like that 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 is their strength. Whether it's offensively or defensively, it is going to be KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson banging down low. Yeah. Um because Kansas's pause. guards don't move me at all. No, not I really. mean there there's none of them that I think are particularly good. Uh so it's you're right, it's all about KJ Adams and uh, Hunter Dickinson. Right. I think I think getting him out of the paint, that's that's the key to slowing down Dickinson. Then Adams, you know, whatever, throw throw a do on him and and we'll be good to go. Yeah, their guards, it's they're like Dwan Harris and Kevin McCall are very good defensively, but they're kind of the classic case of like they come back year after year after year and everyone just expects yeah. they're gonna make a jump. They're so good. These are what veterans is like. They're a classic case of you're in college basketball for your fourth season or fifth season, wherever they're on now, for a reason. You're not an NBA player. Shout out Terry Brown. They're going to go pro. It's just not going to be in basketball. Yeah. I mean, it's – I like to call it like Caleb Love syndrome because every year people were like, oh, Caleb Love, he's going to make this great jump and be this dominant point guard, which shout out to him, went into Duke, uh, went into Cameron and beat Duke. But uh, there's a reason he's not in the NBA. Uh, so it's it's that same way uh, for me with Kansas's guards of they're good and people have been saying oh um, McCuller and uh, all all their other guards are going to make these jumps, but they haven't done it yet. Uh, I don't think against Kentucky will be the time that they do make that jump. I'm also not a huge fan of the guards, but I also am a admittedly a huge fan of the way uh, that Kansas plays basketball and accentuates their guards abilities. Uh, so just because I'm, I'm maybe not being moved by the, like the individual players, like when you play Kansas, you know that their guards are going to play pretty well um, as a unit. 
Um, I posed this question. I know we're kind of going back to a little bit big picture instead of uh, like analyzing the game pregame. Uh, I, I posted this question on uh, um, Twitter. If Kentucky were to win tomorrow, I guess today, if you're listening, um, how would that impact your season expectations? And then the same question, if they lose, how would that impact your season expectations? I'll answer it the same way I answer on your Twitter. First of all, if we win, we're going 40 and 0. Can't change my mind. That's the, that's the case every year when we play the Champions Classic. Like when we beat number one Michigan State, yeah, we're going 40 and 0, absolutely. All those years we lost to Duke, it's like, oh, yeah, if we won, we were going 40 and 0. Now we're just going to go 39 1, whatever. We lost but, to Evansville two games after we beat yeah. Michigan State, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yes, in like broader terms, like this game really doesn't mean much. It's a nice resume booster in March if you're able to get the win. But long term, this shouldn't really affect your vision. But if we win, this team is amazing. They should be ranked top five in the country. They're legit. If you can go and beat Kansas, number one team in the country, that is like has all these seniors, national player of the year candidate, and their best player is a center, and you have zero centers healthy on your roster, and you're still able to overcome that. You're not healthy. You're still super young. You're inexperienced. You have so much more room to grow. And if you could already beat the team with the highest floor in college basketball, which is Kansas, in game number three, yeah, this team is elite. This team is legit. You can't tell me different. If we lose... And you know what? If Hunter goes for 30 and we don't have a center to guard him and who knows, maybe DJ and Rob struggle a little, just like every other freshman in the country in November, it happens. I'll be like, yeah, I would have liked to win. Uh, We're not quite like top of the top yet. I still think we can get there. If we lose and it is because Cal goes to stall ball um the guard struggle Antonio Reeves just absolutely shrinks in another big game we make stupid mistakes we can't run an offense in the half court we can't make an open three to save our lives if the reoccurring themes that have ended our seasons the past two to three years if they show up and that's why they lose I will personally temper my expectations I'll be like you know what this we've been hyping it up we've been hyping up the new Cal the swag Cal this roster That is the one thing I don't want to see. Win or lose, please do not revert to the same BS that we have watched for the past two to three years. Win or lose, let's see this new era of Kentucky basketball. I like 95% agree with you there, but I will say if our disadvantage is inside, then that means we will be going to like perimeter offense where we will be shooting threes and we will be um, like moving it around the perimeter. Um, but that could mean if we lose, it could be because we don't hit threes. It could be because we're getting lower in the shot clock because we can't get a shot off down low. So, um, I think it's going to take like a Brandon Ramsey to like, tell us, is this the same Kentucky that lost? Or is this like a new Kentucky? I don't know about y'all, but I can already see in my mind and in my imagination, Jeff Goodman's tweets or posts or whatever after this game with a Kentucky win, it would be, oh, well, Kentucky's not actually all that good. Kansas, they're young. They they haven't played together all that much. With a Kansas win, it will be such a dominant win over Kansas. Kentucky really isn't as good as we thought that they were or as everybody else thought that they were. I was right all along. 
So there's a Jeff Goodman. I'm just telling you now, that's what his timeline is going to be tomorrow night or tonight, you know, whatever. Um, but personally, I think in order for Kentucky to get a win, we're going to have to have a big night from one of the guards. Uh, I don't know who just pick a name out of the hat because we've got so many guards that can just go and win a game. We're going to have to have a Tyrese Maxey versus Michigan State type of game or a uh, not necessarily as high scoring as a Malik Monk versus UNC game, but that type of game where, where somebody just goes and takes over. Uh, so a, a, a win would really help me see, okay, this team is what we thought that they were. But a loss, kind of like what both of y'all have said, a loss we don't have – what a third of our roster is just not playing because of either health issues or, or eligibility issues. That's fine. That's okay. And if that's the case, Hunter Dickinson will probably have 35, you know, and, and that'll just be what it is. So I, I won't be overly concerned uh, unless, unless we just look bad. If we just look bad, that's, that's a whole other thing, but. Yeah, before we yeah. before we fully dive into Kansas, going back to this Texas A&M Commerce game, you're absolutely right. Like the guards need to step up. The past game against Texas A&M Commerce, Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, and Reed Shepard combined for ten of thirty-one shooting from the field. They combined two of ten from three. Justin Edwards also was like zero of three from three. Really got bailed out by. Um, I, I mean, Reed did a lot of good things on defense that sparked a lot of other good things but really got bailed out by trey mitchell who shot 8 of 11 from the field and antonio reeves who shot 8 of 14 from the field and 5 of 8 from three they had 21 points reeves uh in 18 for mitchell respectively wow they, they really bailed us out we're not going to be able to just go to our two veterans and just say all right bail us out we are built around elite freshmen we're built around elite guard play that's where our advantage is we're not going to do that with our three freshman guards combining 10 of 31. I, feel like I, get it. I, I get it. It's still early in the season. I'm not like throwing everything away because they're having normal November struggles. But if we do want to beat Kansas in the champions classic, they got to be dogs and step up. I feel like our advantage is that we have like, you know, whether it's freshmen or older guys, we have like six guys who have the aptitude to just go nuclear at any time. It doesn't have, I mean, I don't care if it's a freshman or an older dude, whoever's going to go off this game and bail us out, you know, go for it. Like it can be anybody. Like we have that kind of team and those kind of dogs. And like, uh, you know, if if we've got that, then we're, I, I wanted to share this fun fact, by the way, before I forget completely, because it's on my phone and it's going dark. Um, this is uh, aside from last year, the biggest split between Kentucky's ranking and Kansas's ranking uh, in a game that we've played against them since Cal's been here. So last year they were number nine and we weren't ranked at all. And so aside from that, every other year, both of us have been ranked every year that Cal's been here. We've played, both of us have been ranked and we've been within, you know, 15, 16, sometimes, uh, within one or two of each other, most it's like an average of like five. But this is the, this is the biggest split between our rankings that we've um, that we've ever seen. So, and usually the higher ranked team wins. But um, you know, oh well, uh, nine. I think nine out of ten times the higher ranked team has won uh, when we played Kansas. With the, the time where they 
Keon. Yeah, the time where they didn't was when we went <laughs> into fog and beat them by like 18. That goes so crazy, man. That goes so crazy. Um, but anyways, it's I I know we're not expected to win. Like it would be like a, a shock, but I don't think it'd be that big of a shock because like it, upsets happen every single day. And uh I can see Kentucky uh upsetting anybody. We've got dogs, we've got those guys. And, and like I said, anybody can go off at any time. All we need is one or two to really do it, and it's just it's over. So, yeah. 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 I, I think we need more than one or two to be. Oh, we only need one or really? two to go off, but there needs to Everybody's be another be one or two that are holding their own. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Reeves does great, but DJ shoots five of 13 like he did, and Rob shoots four of 13 like he did, and Reed shoots one of five like he did, that's really what we can't have. The luxury of having five elite guards, uh, it's a little different now because like four of them need to play at all times because we don't have a five. Like our four is playing the fives. We kind of got to, we got to play more guards than we would normally have to, but you you can afford to have one or two off night games and you have a high percentage of one of them going nuclear just because you have so many. Mm -hmm. But if you're not the one going nuclear, you do need to hold your own. And I just don't want to crap on our guards because while they haven't been shooting the ball excellently, they have been taking care of the ball. And that's not something we ever see. Even the best guards like John Wall, De'Aaron Fox, They've all turned the ball over a lot, especially early in the year. Only nine turnovers through two games. We had six in our first game, just three in our second. As like crappy as our offense looked, we scored 81 points, only turned the ball over three times. Shout out Sean Vinsel. Shout out Sean Vinsel. He had a crazy stat that he posted today. Um, We've had eight of those nine turnovers in the 53 possessions where Reed Shepard is in the bench. The 81 possessions where Reed Shepard is on the court, just one turnover. Think about that. 81 times you know, we dribbled the ball, 90 feet, set up a play, took a shot, and only one of those 81 times did we turn the ball over. That is he just plays the, He just plays the game the right way, you know? Just like hey. a good kid, like, takes care of the ball. Uh, plays for the name on the front of the jersey. Every, you do this every week. Stop we should get it. more guys like that on our team. Recruit more of them. I That's right. Find them. Where do we find? I know where we can find them. That play the game the right way. Can we get Lion County? Lion County is where we find them. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, Travis Perry commitment in a second, but yeah. Um, who does that Bryce? turnover stat? Who does that turnover stat remind you of? This is always the argument between Wall you and was. somebody else. Yeah. Yes, Euless. Euless was the best point guard we've ever had at taking care of the ball, and that's who's coaching our team. It's wonderful. Yeah, so Euless had, like, the highest assist-to-turnover ratio in, right. like, the Calipari era. He also had the second best. Like, I feel like – so he averaged, yes. I think, about three assists uh, per every turnover that he has. I want to look it up. I want to look it up and see what it is right now. We have nine turnovers – and we have 29 assists. So, yes, we have better than as a team, not just one player who had the best assist-to-turnover ratio in the Calipari area. The whole team right now is averaging three assists per one turnover. That is insane. And I get it. We play two bums. We're playing in November with eight guys who are missing an entire position group and have been practicing four-on-four. They're not even running five-on-five because they don't have the players to do it. And they're in like their third game ever together. And they're all 18 years old and they take care of the ball better than anyone in the Calipari era. Exactly. They were doing, Shout they out were them. doing the same thing in Canada too. So like, this is just an identity 
mm-hmm. of this team. I'm trying to talk while I look up the stats so I can get the numbers right. Uh, but yeah, as a team, uh, they, oh shoot, I don't have it all added up on here. Dang it. But they had an insane assisted turnover ratio in Canada. It was like a 2.6 as a team, which for four games with like only 10 practices is wild. They're doing this all while playing fast too. It's not like they're holding on to the ball for 25 seconds and trying to make a play at the end. They are running up and down the court and have a three to one assist to turnover ratio as a team. And if you ask bonkers, and if you ask Cal what their offensive identity is, he would answer random. Yeah. Thank you, John Welch. I love (laughs) you. I owe you my life. Yeah. Uh, back really quick to the um, Texas A&M Commerce game. Uh, Justin Edwards really didn't shoot the ball that well. I mean, shoot it. Like, physically shoot the ball. He didn't do it that well. But something that I said the past few episodes, he is better than anyone on the team or anyone we've seen in the past few years just at getting free buckets. From just two pointers, he shot six of seven and then shot four of four from the free throw line. He cuts. He runs in transition. He knows, like, when's the right time. Okay, now I'm going to take my defender off the dribble. He gets so many free points in the paint off of layups and dunks and getting to the free throw line and knocking those down. He went 0 of 3 from 3 and still got 16 points and still shot 60% from the field. Couldn't make the jump shot. I'm not worried about that. That will eventually fall as the year progresses. This five free shots right in the paint, and now he's getting free throws too. If he's doing that, again, that's 10 to 12 free points every single game. I love that about him. And and he's rebounding. And once the defense clicks, it doesn't matter if his shot is falling or not. He's going to be the most impactful player on the floor because of everything else he is doing. Going back to our conversation earlier on white point guards <laughs> from Kentucky that play the game the right way. Right. Um, surprise commitment. Travis Perry, he's a cat. Uh, no one saw this coming. Also, isn't it really funny that like a bunch of assistants that we knew were leaking stuff to the media are gone, and like now that they're gone, no one knows when like surprise commitments are coming. Kind of funny. Um, yeah. how, that's that's crazy. How would you? That's wild. Is that, is that a coincidence? But yeah, yeah Travis Scott Clark, Travis Perry. I don't um, think anyone expected this. I think if you asked us, when did he commit? Sunday, like afternoon. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday if afternoon. You, if you ask me Sunday morning when I'm drinking my cup of coffee, yeah, what do you think Travis Perry's doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know, probably going to like some Big Ten school or Cincinnati. Like, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like him on Kentucky, but like, I don't really think he's being prioritized and he probably would just get more shots somewhere else. So whatever. Yeah, I don't expect him to come here. And then Jack Pilgrim notification comes up on my phone. It's like Travis Perry is committed to Kentucky. Two schools of thought come up. One, does this guy really just want to be at Kentucky? Or two... Is something else going on? Like, are other guys that we are expecting to get not really coming here anymore? Buddy, Bradley, you're kind of more of our, like, recruiting expert type guys. Um, Do you think that this is just a random, like, he just really wanted to come to Kentucky. He doesn't care about the long line of guards we may have coming in. Or is this a, ooh, we might have whiffed on someone else. Let's go grab Travis Perry rest second because I'm Cal and I can. Well, Zach, I've gladly and willingly admitted before I have no sources you know I I don't have any insider information or anything like that but I'm friends with people who do uh, shout out a couple of burners uh in a couple of group chats 
but uh that was my kind of idea at first too well actually i'll tell you what happened first i wasn't on my phone and i got like 30 notifications at one time travis perry to kentucky and i thought like somebody was trolling like i i because because nobody i mean for months everybody's been saying travis perry is not going to kentucky I, I'd heard Ole Miss, I'd heard Cincinnati, a little bit of WKU maybe, but never really did I view Kentucky as a viable option for him. Uh, but, you know, he's uh, he's a leading scorer in the state's history. If he wants to come in and, and put in the work, hey, go, go right on ahead. I know somebody shared, uh, several people actually have shared the stat line, of when Travis Perry and Reed Shepard uh, played last year. Oh, WT, that was you that that did that. No, don't care. Uh, it was several people. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It was WT. Uh, but it it, I mean, they both put up insane numbers. Uh, so hey, I'd I'd be more than happy to take him. And I haven't heard any like grumblings or anything of hey, we're not getting this guy. So we so Travis Perry was a take. I think he would be a very complimentary piece uh, to whatever it is that we're getting. He's a primary ball handler, and we've already got Boogie Flan. Uh, so I, if this commitment had happened three weeks ago or whenever before Boogie Flan committed, I would be more panicked about that. Uh, but we've already got Boogie, and Perry is a primary ball handler, so I'm I'm not worried about him scaring off you know, Darren Peterson or, or whatever. I mean, I think that Travis Perry is like really just betting on himself here. I mean, if he, yeah. if he goes to WKU and exceeds expectations, he might win conference USA, like player of the year or something like that, but he's not going to be a known name. If he comes to Kentucky and exceeds expectations, which even then might still might be a coming off the bench role where he like scores eight points a game. If he does that, do you know how many people across the state will know his name and like want to buy his Jersey and want to buy all of this merch and like want to have him on the radio and like do all these advertisements. Like he would be like him and Reed Shepard would rake in the money. Dante Allen was making bank on nil deals and it was Dante <laughs> Allen. If Travis Perry does anything positive at all in a Kentucky uniform, he will be a millionaire. I was going to say, that's one thing I've heard probably more than anything else is like, don't underestimate the NIL opportunities for a white kid. Yeah. Kentucky playing at Kentucky. <laughs> um, but like, even if we talk about the NIL and talk about like why he came, like, Let's talk about why Kentucky went after him in the first place. I'm going to read you off some stuff. I, I want you to put away like any preconceptions <laughs> of Lyon County or the competition that they play. 31.6 points per game. 4.7 made three-pointers per game. 52.3% field goal percentage. 44.9 three-point percentage on over 10 attempts a game. 63.3% effective field goal percentage scored 30, 22 times scored 45 times scored 61 as a season high made at least a three pointer every single game of his junior season and had 17 games where he made over five three pointers. 
Do you that's, think someone like that might be able to find a role at Kentucky? That that's Hopkinsville Cooper flag right there. <laughs> Dude, this is insane. Like, if you look at his numbers, you like I don't care like who you are, where you're from. If you are make, attempting 10 threes a game and making 45% of them and scoring 31 points a game, you can come to Kentucky and figure it out. Question like maybe question. you won't be our star, but like we'll take you. Hey. How how much is it the same size the three range? Is it the same as it, college? It's a little closer. It's got to be closer, right? It it hugs the top of the key. It's closer, but you got to think like if you watch him play, like every you think the defenses yeah. don't know what he's going to try to do. The line. So they, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They, no. they push him out, and he's shooting on the run off the okay. dribble, like yeah. catch and shoot, fading away, and he's still hitting all these shots. Imagine if he's like the fourth option on an offense where people help off of him. Mm. And by the way, here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to get to see him in person at uh, Marshall County Hoop Fest. I heard that uh, uh, so event is kind of mid. It's not. Uh, it had been uh, for the last couple of years, uh, just, you know, COVID and a few other things like that. Uh, but back in the day, it was rocking and rolling, and now it's it's getting back to that. Uh, like Montverde has been there in the past. Uh, Oak Hill uh, is just always there. I don't think Montverde's going to be there this year. I know Oak Hill is and uh, Orangeville Prep, a few other big schools like that. Uh, Lalu, uh, shout out Logan Greenwell, but uh, several several big schools. Who who was it that said, um, I would love to credit this person. I, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, somebody said, you know, Cal kind of got burnt this off season, or at least tired of just like, ah, I need to go find somebody who's serviceable to plug into this team and fill in some gaps. And so instead of doing that, he just said, hmm, there's a serviceable guy right there in, in the state and I'll just go get him. And so he, he, you know, just filled the hole ahead of time and sort of prepared in advance. Uh, that seems like a good take. I don't know who said that, but uh, that makes sense. No, I, I, I'm completely there with it. This is going to be a more than serviceable player. I mean, you brought up 40, 45% from three. If you tell me that someone's going to come in and just on the threes where they are wide open, no one guarding them hit 45%, like I will take that. Like I get like the competition in Kentucky isn't great, but there are at least people there trying to keep him from doing that. Even if just when no one is keeping him from doing anything, just make down like knock down the wide open three, 45% of the time, I will take that. I don't think he's going to quite be Reed Shepard, just from what I've seen so far, Reed this year. I think Reed just kind of has that hit. But I hate that I'm using these two players as the scale. I do think he will be a lot more than what we've seen from Joey Hart so far. So let's just say Joey Hart is the one on the scale. Reed Shepard is the 10 on the scale. Where do you, at this point, in this completely irrelevant conversation put Travis Perry on the scale from one Joey Hart to 10 Reed Shepard. Personally, I think he's a little closer than Reed. I'd give him like a six and a half or a seven. I'm yeah. going to give him, <laughs> I, I know it goes against your scale. I'm going to give him a Dominique Hawkins. Now, obviously not the same skill set as Dominique yeah. Hawkins, but the same sort of like game impact where he comes in for spurts, does his job, and then gets subbed out once he gets kind of the team going. Now, he, uh, Dominique was a defensive stopper uh, and hit the occasional, like, floater. Um, that won't be Travis's uh, job at all. If there's, like, a team we're playing that has a bunch of athletic guards, he might not play at all. But 
if he comes in, hits a couple threes, and gives us a little bit of a lead for uh, the guards that he came in for, that's a great role that he can play. So I, I see him a lot of in like that spark plug, ten minute, ten to fifteen minute minutes a game sort of role. Yeah, when I'm MVP. not trying to make my stupid white person comparison. Yeah, Dominique Hawkins is the perfect player comparison. They're both a little bit short. They're both from Kentucky. They're both probably going to be three to four year players and like be a point guard pretty much their whole life, but probably going to be more in that combo guard. Even though they're a little undersized, they'll probably play a little bit more too. Um, just because you don't know, they're, they're probably not going to run an SEC offense but they could off the bench. And when they do come in, they're going to make a lot of hard nosed plays. They're going to knock down a lot of threes. Um, excited that he's on my team. It was unexpected. He was not at the top of my big board, but he is a take for all the reasons we just described. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the Dominique Hawkins comparison is perfect as far as impact. Uh, like WT said, Dominique would go out there and lock somebody down and hit an occasional floater. Uh, Travis is going to be more of knock a couple threes down and occasionally have like a okay closeout on the on the perimeter. You know, that's <laughs> that's going to be kind of what he is. Uh, but also, it, it's worth noting too that he's not just doing this against Kentucky high school competition. He's consistently been one of the better players on the Adidas circuit in the summer. Uh, now he's not putting up as astronomical scoring numbers but he's been doing very similar things. And it's it's impressive from somebody that looks an awfully lot like Mad Sack. <laughs> he, is, Identical. he is shorter than me, by the way. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Travis Perry on Sunday. Um, maybe another one on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Get your cookie cakes ready. By the time you're listening to this, maybe Jaden Quaintance is already... Uh, what do what do you call them, Bradley? What do you what do you call people that are really good at basketball and then go to John Calipari to get even better <clears throat> at basketball? He is a cat. Oh, that's it. He is going to be a cat. Maybe already yes. is by the time we're saying this. Hopefully, we don't jinx it. Um, yes. we've, well, we we have might done be that before. A fun little two for one deal. Uh, in the early signing period as well to close. It yes. Out. Oh yeah. Yes. If yeah. you are uh a really good rough to know good fan and listen closely to our intro segments you might know that this person's dad has really good barbecue wings it's wings but he owns it's a barbecue be... restaurant doesn't he no it's a wing place it's just it's wings, called the wow. wing it's called the wing guru maybe i'm not a good rough to know good listener because <laughs> i didn't even know that but yeah kentucky can really put together a class out of the early signing period of already having Santo Cyril locked up Jaden Quaintance locked up, Billy Richmond locked up, Travis Perry locked up, Boogie Flan. That's five freshmen, four of them, three of them are going to be five stars, two of them are going to be high and four stars. Um, and then I think we'll either get a Darren Peterson reclass, or if that falls through, probably Carter Knox to come in. We'll, we'll probably need one more wing. Um, I think we'll get one of those guys and probably a, a, a transfer at the end of next year. That is VJ Edgecombe, really... we're not a leader for, but we're still on the table for. I'm going to guess no with VJ. On the table. Yeah, technically. Hat on the table, baby. On the table. Oh, by the way, Sack, it's the most wonderful time of the year. The transfer, the transfer portal transfer. for football is starting to pop. Spencer Bradley, Petrus entered every, the portal today. 
we're back in the future, baby. People don't realize it's a bit. I do not want Spencer Petrus anywhere near this offense, even though I'm sure Stoops is over there rubbing himself erotically at the thought of Spencer Petrus running this offense. Keep him away from Lexington. He's great at handing the ball off. (laughs) Every single safety that enters the portal, I want you to be on their ass, please. I do it for every player. (laughs) <laughs> not just safeties every player I, I need you looking at like division two like juco you got any more transfers. those livingstone college corners <laughs> i need i need everything in the secondary but going back really quick i to Jaden coinance it looks like he will be a cat um mizzou fans really upset about that just john <laughs> calipari is owning them this offseason right now um yeah. i ran across the same argument for the 80th time that Oh, Cal only like has successful pros because he gets five stars. They're already going to be ready to be good. Like, so let's go to the, let's look at the most recent recruiting class. Okay. The 2022 recruiting class, we saw how they played out in the most recent college basketball season. We saw what they all did this off season in terms of making their pro decisions. So I go to the two, four, seven composite sports ranking, which composites all the high end, like high website rankings puts them all together and makes an average. Here is the top 10. By the way, Kaysen Wallace was number 10. So here are the nine guys better than Kaysen and Kaysen. Kaysen Wallace was number 10 and he was drafted 10th. So he's the 10th best freshman coming in, 10th overall draft pick, kind of held his own. Here are the nine people ahead of him. Because apparently if just Cal gets all these players and they're automatically good, these nine players ahead of him should all be automatically amazing because it doesn't matter where you go, right? Number one. Nick Smith drafted 27th. So apparently you can go wherever and be great, but the number one overall player almost fell out of the first round. Number two, Dariq Whitehead drafted 22nd, 12 spots after Casey Wallace. Derek uh, Lively. One, Derek one Lively. One time ball nowhere. What? <laughs> one time ball nowhere, Dariq. You let Whitehead. him in the group chat? <laughs> was he actually in the group yeah. chat? Yeah, he was. Oh my gosh. Okay, anyways. Sorry. Nick Smith, number one, drafted 27, 17 spots after Kaysen Wallace almost fell out of the first round. Number two, Dariq Whitehead, 12 spots after Kaysen Wallace. Derek Lively, getting a little closer. He was drafted 12th. Number four, Kyle Filipowski returned to college basketball, did not get drafted. Number five, Dylan Mitchell would not have got drafted, had to return for a sophomore season. Gigi Jackson completely fell out of the first round, drafted 45th. Number seven, Kalel Ware, returned to college basketball, would not have been drafted, also transferred. Keontae George, drafted 16. Amari Bailey fell out of the first round. And then there was Kaysen Wallace, who got drafted 10th. So out of the nine people that are better than Kaysen Wallace coming into college, apparently it didn't matter where they went, but all nine of them are in a worse spot right now than Kaysen Wallace. Three of them had to return for another year of college basketball, one of those three, one of those three had a transfer. Two of those players got drafted in the second round, despite being not top nine recruits. And four of those players were drafted in the first round, one of which only one of those four were in the lottery. Zero of them were taken ahead of Case and Wallace. So tell me that if Case and Wallace was the 10th best player and the nine people that were better than him 
all are in worse spots right now. And Cason Wallace just so happened to go play at Kentucky for John Calipari for a season when none of those other nine guys did. And Calipari year after year after year after year puts people in the NBA and gives them max contracts. Is it just that Cal gets all the talent or is it that he's a damn good coach? I, I'm going to make a stat or maybe not a stat. I'm going to look up like all the five star, like the hit rates for all the big programs that get all these five stars. Like how many guys get drafted in the first round? How many guys get drafted lottery? How many guys uh, spend at least five years in the league? Kentucky is going to be at the top of that list. I can already tell you because our hit rate is so high. I, I actually did look this up once. It was a year or two ago. So maybe it has changed, but Kentucky gets a higher percentage of five stars drafted than Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas. So Duke gets just about as much, a little less. North Carolina and Kansas get a lot less. But even though we get more, I get it. We have a higher quantity of five stars that come in. We also turn over a higher percentage of it, even though we have a higher quantity. Also, if you want to look the biggest stat, where the biggest discrepancy is, look at max contracts in the NBA. Who are the elite of the elite that are making generational wealth for their families? And look at the number of five stars that come into each program. Kentucky wipes out every single program. No one is even remotely close. I also want to look at... If I may share this, I actually compiled a list of the top 10 recruits all time for each of the Blue Bloods. And I'm not going to go through and, and read the list. But Kentucky's list includes guys like Anthony Davis, Julius Randle, John Wall, Shaden Sharp. We won't talk. We won't talk about that. Demarcus Cousins. Take a look at Duke's list: Marvin Bagley, Josh McRoberts, Isles, Jaleel Okafor. Let's take a look at UNC's list: Harrison Barnes. Oh, good player, but eh, he's nothing special. John Henson, John Michael McAdoo, Marvin Williams, Tyler Hansborough, Kansas, Josh Shelby, Cliff Alexander, Xavier Henry, Czech Diallo, UCLA's got Kyle Anderson, Shabazz Muhammad is their best recruit ever, Amari Bailey, Peyton Watson, TJ Leaf, Kavon Looney. The, the hit rate on Kentucky's recruits is outstanding. I mean, we brought it, I brought up in a previous podcast, you look at ESPN's ranking of the top 25 players. I think seven of them went to Kentucky. No other college had more than one. North Carolina had zero. I think Kansas had one. I think Duke had one. No other college had more than one. Kentucky has seven. We get just as many five stars as Duke. Why don't they have seven of the top 25 players in the NBA? Does it, hear me out, hear me out. Maybe it does matter where you go. Maybe John Calipari and Kentucky are really good at producing elite uh, talent year in, year out. Maybe, just maybe, there's a reason that we keep getting more good players because all of them go pro and a great majority of them have max contracts after five years. Shocking concept. But no, Jane Quaynes go to Mizzou. You also look at, so you may think, oh, maybe... Kentucky just scouts the right guys. You look at, I know this is a small sample size. There have been three guys that Kentucky went after and de- they committed and then decommitted. So mm-hmm. These were guys that were going to go to Kentucky. 
they chose to go somewhere else. Let's look at them. Number one, our uh, actual friend of the show, Sky Clark. Uh, What's he doing right now? Not winning games. wrecked at Louisville. Is he in the NBA? Was he a lottery pick? No. No, but he was a five-star recruit. Crazy how that works. Uh, then you have five-star no... recruits. They all just go pro. You don't have to try. Just I roll know. the balls out. They're good no matter where they go, apparently. Yeah. Nolan Hickman, borderline high four-star, low five-star um, point guard, commits to Kentucky, decides to go to Gonzaga. What's he doing right now? Coming off the bench. Coming off the bench <laughs> for Gonzaga. He is not on any NBA draft board on no one's list. And WT um, then is you... contemporary that replaced him that was ranked pretty much the same exact spot Ty Ty Washington got drafted in the first round. Is in the, the first NBA. Round, isn't it? Yeah. And then you have, I think it's DJ Jeffries. Is he the yeah. guy, right? What's he doing yeah. right now? He's at Mississippi State. He's at Mississippi State. Uh, didn't he transfer? To yeah, he flamed, flamed out at Memphis. Ended up at Mississippi State. I think he's in huh. his fifth year. That's crazy. So there's five guys or three guys that are all five-star recruits that Kentucky thought was good enough to come to Kentucky. Uh, and if you look at our hit rate, probably two of those guys statistically would have gotten drafted and would have got signed a second contract. They're all still taking like classes. <laughs> yeah. And and while we're talking about three guys, I've got three guys to share with you. Pause. Devin Booker. Shea Gilgis Alexander. I forgot the other one. Who was it? I'm sorry, WT's laughing too hard. Here, you got to start that whole thing over, I think. I'm sorry. No, we're rolling it. We have three guys to share, Bradley. Share them. Uh, Oh, uh, Tyler Hero. There it is. None of those guys were top 25 recruits. Hero might have been top 25. They weren't top 15 recruits. I can say that definitively. Booker. Shea and Hero. They weren't they weren't five stars. None of them were five stars. But what yeah, they, they were all, right now? they were all lottery picks by pure accident. What are they, they doing are, right now though? Exactly. They all not like, like averaging 25 yeah. points a game and not like Shea's crazy. not like Shea's a top five player in the NBA and Booker has consistently been top five in scoring in the NBA, and not like Hero uh won uh most improved or anything like that. Not like he was going to be the centerpiece of a Damian Lillard trade. You know, it's nuts. And meanwhile, what's uh, what's Marquise Bolden up to nowadays? What's he doing? So many. He's, play, he's playing in Singapore. Right he's playing in Singapore right now. Man. Uh, yeah. Well, however much I want to keep talking about Cal's recruiting success, we are running very long on this episode. Yeah. Um, one thing we have not done, I'm setting on my uh, laptop here a two-minute timer. We got to talk about the Kentucky-Alabama game. Are you all ready? WT, go. You, you finished last podcast by saying, I don't expect us to win, but I want it to be a game at halftime. Alabama was up 21 nothing by the time we ran our fifth offensive play. That is all I have to say about that game. It's well. embarrassing. Uh, we did, did any, like, did any of us really expect to go in and beat Alabama? Probably not. I know some of y'all predicted it, but like, no, but I mean, this is the third time we've been embarrassed this season and twice at home. 
Like we're not even like putting up a fight. We were up 14 to nothing against Mizzou with the ball. And we still got blown out of that game. All I'm going to say, and I'm not even going to, all I'm going to say is whenever Mark Stoops this off season said, why not us? I thought that was a rhetorical question and not one that he would answer throughout the season, <laughs> like repeatedly in his press conferences. Like, oh, we beat t-. you know, none of the teams are outside of the top fifteen or what? You know, like, stop, dude, stop. We talk about need- Stoops. I'm I am not one to call for his job at any point right now. Right. I know some of you all might be, but this this game against U of L might be the most must-win game since Mississippi State in 2016. It's not going to be for his job. It's going to be for the legitimacy of this program. If Louisville, who is in the same recruiting geographical region as us, uh, can come in, bring in one coach, go from losing to us by 20 and barely like being good to beating us like in one season, that shows that the way Stoops is building this program is not good enough. Now, I don't think that we should fire him, but we need to have a clear look in the mirror at what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you, buddy. That That's funny. He literally is answering it. It's like, why, <laughs> why not us? Well, we don't pony up enough money. We don't recruit good enough players. The other teams are really, really good. WT, I know we're two minutes are up. I just want to say one thing. For the most frustrating thing about football is it always feels like we're one thing short from the next thing we're having a really good drive we have a false start we're one penalty away from putting together a good drive we are one drive away from putting together a good game oh this is like the time do you know what we just came back on tennessee we started out rough but we're down three points we get the ball to start the fourth quarter we're one drive away and we make a couple bad play calls and we're one play short from having one one good drive from having one good game and that one good game can make this a really special season but we can't put it we can't put it all together and that's what's most frustrating about football it always feels like we're so close to taking that next step that we always talk about but it's there's just one little step from taking a small step from taking a medium sized step to taking that big step and we can't even start with the small step and that's the most frustrating thing we're one stop away from making them punt and Alabama converts another third yeah. and 57. Yeah. Bend Literally. and then break. Bend, then break. Uh, that, anyway, I, I set oh, a timer yeah. intentionally, not because I didn't want to just like not talk about football at all, but because if we keep talking about football, we will say some stuff that maybe that we won't regret, but maybe that we shouldn't publish. All right. Uh, first listener's question, WT, this one's for you from friend of the program, Big Blue Bud. He says, WT has to chug a gallon of AL8. Bradley has to chug a gallon of Baja Blast. So this is for WT and Bradley. It could be a mini debate. Who would finish their gallon first? Easily me. E- easily. Um, Baja Blast is like going to destroy you if you try to chug it. AL8 goes down nice and smooth. Uh, and you're insinuating that Baja Blast does not. Wow, that is uh, terrible. You're wrong. I, I win. I will break the tie. I am putting the house on Bradley in this one. I just think he has that dog in him. He'll push through when it matters. 
Um, yeah. Next question. Ray Davis fantasy football. Yeah, right. He says, will Reed get at least one of all five stats for a third game in a row? That's really impressive. The big five stats are points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals through two games. Reed had um, at least one of those stats. WT, you've brought up a stat uh, sheet stuffer. That's a tongue twister for me. Um, yeah. Reed Shepard's got to be killing that right now. Do you think he does it? Three straight games, one in all categories. I, I think he definitely has the possibility. It depends on his matchups. Uh, the blocks, he, I mean, I'm going to keep saying that's going to be tough to get, but he keeps showing that he's like might be our best uh, block guy on the uh, roster. Um, I tried to get some, uh, try to recruit some help yeah. from, yeah, try to recruit. I, I was going to say rim protector, but that's not what I'm trying to say. I tried to recruit some help in Buddy and friend of the program, uh, Corey Cottle, uh, to. Uh, work on getting that stat um, for all of Kentucky basketball, but they uh, have ghosted me. In, no, in we my can help you. We'll help you out. We'll help you out. We would just we'll appreciate it. Listen, we're busy. I, fellas, but we'll help. I need you all to know every single stat of mine is brute force. Cause I do not know any coding. You know, uh, that is really hurting me. You know that you have another Twitter best friend who was a computer science and mathematical and statistical like he has degrees in all of those from the prestigious University of Kentucky and is literally a and professional you, data analyst. You know that, right? Y'all are a bunch of nerds. Jeez. I know. Can, I know. Can I answer Pudge's question? I really like it. In a second. A okay. Really big news here. Really big news. Typical Kentucky fan. He's got his Miami tickets. Woo! He has the rough to no good. Let's go. For the Miami game B. Um, typical Kentucky fan, whatever your section is, we'll meet you out there before the game. Unless it's like, Super far away from mine. So hopefully you're on the same side of the <laughs> arena. Do you know what? Regardless of where it is, we'll go meet you. We got that dog in us. We'll go put our steps in. That's Let crazy. us know where your section is. We'll come meet you. Shout Maybe out you for getting your tickets. Wrong. Now, can I answer Pudge's question? Please. What is the question? At Kentucky Pudge says, how many pairs could Travis Perry Perry if Travis Perry could Perry pairs? At least I love seven. that. At, at least seven. At least. He says, also, who is his best former cat comparison? I know we talked about Dominique Hawkins. I know this game might give some people some whiplash, but I really like a Jamal Baker comparison. All offense, no defense at all. <laughs> Jamal Baker. <laughs> and hopefully he won't a- have 17 years of college eligibility. <laughs> I'd say it's a pretty good, pretty good comparison. Another question for you, Bradley. This is from another friend of the program, WT. He specifically says, this question is for Bradley. What species of animal would you compare Jaden Quaidance to? I think you already answered, but I would love to hear it again. And uh, La Familia Enjoyer actually replied and said, definitely not a tiger. So oh. shout out to him. But Jaden Quaidance is a cat. And Man. Jack Pilgrim apparently just said on sources say that Jaden Quaidance will announce his decision tomorrow. Uh, so by the time you're listening today, Jaden Quaintance is going to be making his decision. And I would be shocked if it's anyone other than the Kentucky Wildcats. So our, our boy TC, Tim Caldwell, he says, who's the next uh, Kentucky commit after Travis Perry? That There it is, Jane Quaintance. You're <laughs> Jane, a cat. Jaden Quaintance. He's a cat. Uh, but then after that, Billy Richmond. Then after that, probably nobody else. For a while. For a while, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's bring it home with this one. 
four-time rough to no good listeners question selection here this comes from certified mother's boy that's quite the title you have four times you got selected from uh rough to no good listeners question that should be a stat that we track by the way he says pace and space will keep us in the game but due to being undermanned we will need someone to have an elite performance to make a win happen versus kansas who would you bet would have the best opportunity to take over on tuesday you know this team is built around freshman guards. DJ can go nuclear. Rob could go orbital. Justin Edwards is just due for a breakout game. Reed Shepard, he, he's, he, he's built for this. But I am going with a guy that ended last season shooting 1 of 15 in the biggest game of the year. He's heard the noise. He knows he hasn't been great in big games before. He might have tested out the transfer portal market, took some classes at Illinois State. I still really don't know because Jeff Goodman blocked me in the middle of that Sega. But Antonio Reeves is back in the blue and white. He is here to lead this team, be the veteran presence that we need. And that comes with leading the troops into the United Center in Chicago and taking down those Kansas Jayhawks and and. Hunter Dickinson and his ugly, stupid face beating them. Antonio Reeves, it is your time to step up and have your biggest game. You're, you're going to go full Devo Davis mode. I just want him, every time he looks at a guard, Dwan Harris, he just hope he sees Devo Davis's face. Kevin McCuller, I don't care. I hope he just sees five Devo Davises running around out there and just cooks all game. I need like a Malik Monk versus North Carolina performance out of him. It's going to happen too. I wanted to I wanted to ask or answer one more question because it showed up like four or five times. Several people have asked, do we think that there will be a Aaron Bradshaw or Big Z surprise for the Kansas game? And no. No, I don't think so. But I think Bradshaw's back soon. And I think Big Z is they're coming up on like their limit. The NCAA has to get an answer back about Big Z uh sooner than later. Like uh, two weeks. Month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he'll be back. And I, like I said, since the very beginning of time, it's only a matter of time. He's the last player added to any roster in all of college basketball. So it's going to take him longer to get his eligibility back or whatever. And so, but we'll see that soon enough, probably not the Kansas game. And if Aaron Bradshaw, even if he were back, he's not been practicing. So it would just be just, no, I don't think so. Unless, you know, something crazy happened, but, but no. So, but so soon. If, they're, if they're not available, to go back to four-time, now five-time uh, listener question selection, we're up to know, or, oh my gosh, a certified mother <laughs> boy's question, who will be the guy that is going to go off to save us in this three-center deficit that we have? Is this where we're getting our prediction and MVP mm. predictions? Yeah, heck, let me, let me start off. We are going to win in a shootout, 90 to 86. Antonio Reeves is going for 30. He is my MVP. Wow, that's a high-scoring game. Yeah, it will be. That's how we're going to have to win. Nobody yeah. else is jumping in there. I did take I'll, the over 150. I'll so. go I'll go ahead and jump in there then. Go ahead. I need to see somebody get shifted on. I think Rob Dillingham is going to be our, our breakout guard. We talked about how at least one guard is going to have to go banana land. Uh, so I'm going to need to see a 30-burger from Rob Dillingham on our way to a 94-92 win. Uh, oh, so man. give me MVP Rob Dillingham, true Malik Monk fashion. 
these scores are crazy. Um, I, so I do agree. I, that's a high score. I do agree, though, that Dillingham is the like he has the best chance of anybody to just go absolutely off the rails. We know how Hunter Dickinson struggles against really short basketball point guards. So, um, but <laughs> no, stop here with a reference on that. Um, but I, I guess I'll take the other guard uh, than the other fresh. I, we'll, we'll take DJ to to go absolutely nuclear. Um, our MVP, and I will take Kentucky. Just I'll take Kentucky, eighty-four to seventy-nine. Cats. WT. It's kind of slim pickings. We have like three eligible slash healthy players there, but <laughs> round us out. Do we go four for four in W's? Take a do the Zach, who who did you choose as the MVP? Reeves. Okay. Um. Here's the thing, guys. If you look at my Twitter profile on the very top, it's my pinned tweet. I uh, predicted a loss um, preseason, and uh, that's an analytical choice. But we are now 24 hours from the game. I am going Kentucky wins this basketball game. Kentucky wins this basketball game 75 to 72. Trey Mitchell puts Hunter Dickinson in hell on the perimeter. Drops twenty six points, goes like six for ten from the from the three point line, and wins us the game almost single handedly. I hope if you're listening to this, Jaden Quaintance is a cat. You are super amped up to watch us beat uh, Kansas right now, and neither of those two things are aging poorly as we're speaking. Like if we are getting smoked by Kansas and Jaden Quaintance is on Mizzou, I am sorry that you had to listen to this and that we jinxed it. But hopefully not. Let's bring home Jaden Coinance. Bring out the cookie cake. And let's bring home the W. Back to Lexington. Thank you all for listening. We will see y'all on Wednesday when Jaden Coinance is a cat in Kentucky. Our champions of the classic. (laughs) Go Cats. Go Cats! Chuck the the Fayhawks. What does that mean? Juck the Fayhawks?